0: Thank you, Austin. And repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth for every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for braving the weather and coming out today. And uh, we're in week five of our relationship series called, or our series called All Things New. And we're in the second part of the series about relationships. Last week, we talked about what God says about how we treat each other. And it was more of the universal each other. But when I was preparing the message, I really realized there's kind of two areas in our life that deal heavily with relationships. One is kind of how we treat the world and all the people in the world. But then there's another part that I think is is as equally or sometimes maybe even more important is how we treat those closest to us, how we treat our family, how we treat our close friends, how we treat schoolmates that we see every day, how we treat coworkers. I'm talking about the people we interact with on a daily or maybe even a weekly basis. And the word actually has a lot to say about that. And so we're gonna just dive in today and talk about Uh, how God says, what he feels, and what he thinks about these kind of relationships. The scripture that we've been using for the series is actually my life scripture. It's Job 22, verse 21 through 30, and we've been using the first verse, and here's what it says. Now yield and give way and submit yourself to God. Agree with God and be conformed to his will and be at peace. In this way you will prosper and great good will come to you. What this scripture is saying very clearly is that the first thing we have to do in life is submit our lives to God in every area of our lives. And and that's really what this series is about. We've talked about submitting to God in our bodies, our physical bodies. We've talked about surrendering to God in our relationships, in our finances. God requires us to surrender to him in every area of life but what happens to many of us if not most of us is that we're pretty good about surrendering some areas and then holding others back but here's the thing we all want to be blessed we all want our lives to go well but the kingdom of God has one formula if you want blessing and that's obedience It's complete submission to God. And this scripture that the Lord showed me at 16 years old is just a validation of many, many other scriptures in the Bible that reiterate the same exact point. Yield or give way, submit yourself to God. That means submit yourself to God's way of doing things. And so this series is really just about what does the scripture say? It's not my opinion. If I talk to to you about opinion, I will tell you that. But this is, Dennis, just what does God's word say? And, And here's the thing. When you have an encounter with truth, truth always requires you to make a decision. Once you know the truth about something, you have to choose either to submit yourself to that truth or to resist or rebel against the truth. But let me just tell you something folks, this is a... whatever God says, that's the way it is, that's the bottom line, and you're allowed to have an opinion, but just because you have an opinion, if your opinion disagrees with God's word, who's wrong? Who's wrong? We are. That's right. And that's not being mean You can argue against gravity all day long and you can think it's stupid and not like it and everything else, but you live your life every day, whether you realize it or not, based on the law of gravity. And and it's a reality in the world that we live in and God's laws are much more so than just these physical laws that we live in. And so we need to know what God's word says in these areas of our lives, but more importantly, we need to accept them and submit ourselves to them. And as I was thinking about the power of that in relationship, there's some very strong, strong scripture. And I'm not going to cover all of them. Just I'm going to cover a few today, but they're very clear and poignant. And I want you guys to really open your hearts and minds to how we deal with those closest to us today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look at your notes, or Becky's got it up on the screen. The first scripture we're going to look at is 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And here's what it says. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. Now, just so you know, I went and studied the scripture in the Greek on this, and I looked at it. And when it's talking about weaker here, it doesn't mean weaker emotionally or anything. It's talking about physically, that men are typically stronger than women. So it's talking about that women tend to be, they're, they're weaker physically. And that's what he's really talking about, okay? So, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, but notice it says this, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now, what what that means is, look, she is not just to be under you. She is to be a partner with you, and you are to honor her in such a way. She may be physically weaker than you are, but you need to treat her as a partner because she is a fellow heir in the kingdom of God. There are not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. You know, I hate to say that because I would like to think that all the Washington Redskin fans are second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. But it's not true. God loves everybody the same, even people that like the Steelers and other teams. I mean, God likes us all. It's hard for me to grasp, but it's really true. But it's the same way in our physical world. Like God doesn't look at men and women, slave-free, any of those things any different. We are all his children equally, Okay. And so as I studied the translation and I studied this, it was accurate, almost word for word to the Greek, how clear this was. But I noticed one thing that jumped out. It says, wives, you need to live with your wife in an understanding way. And the word there translated, which was ginosko, G-I-N-O-S-K-O, which I've heard in other areas of the scripture, and it means in an intimate closeness, in an intimate closeness. And then look at the last part of the sentence. Doing this, husband, living in this way, it says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Let me read it again, and then I'm going to give you the whole context. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir or partner of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, that is a very, very powerful statement. It doesn't just say do these things, period. It says do these things because if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. That's the exact implication of what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying. Man, that really hit me hard. What that tells me is that if Trisha and I have a rough relationship and I don't treat her the way God tells me to treat her, my prayers. My relationship with God is going to be hindered by the way I treat my wife. Now, these are not my words, and this is not my idea. This is what the Scripture says. And, and I thought about the word hindered, hindered. And here's what, when I think of the word hindered, I think of, how many of you have ever played football, even ladies, some of you played football, but then somebody grabs a hold of you, and they don't necessarily tackle you, but they don't let go, and you're running like this? Anybody ever done that? I was really slow, so it was easy for people to do that to me. Some of you may have been faster, but when I think of being hindered, I think of somebody running up and grabbing you around your leg, and you're trying to run, but you can't because you're hindered by this relationship. You're hindered by what's happened to you. You can't run the way you're supposed to because something is messing you up. And what Paul is saying, gentlemen, is that when you don't treat your wife the way that God called you to do that, your prayer life, your relationship with God is being hindered. Somebody say amen right now. That's powerful. That's powerful. Relationships... The way we treat each other in a marriage relationship, and I would say for some of you in a dating relationship, how that goes is incredibly important in the kingdom of God. But, but now listen, some of the guys are going, what about the ladies? Come on, fellas, anybody in here? Come on, guys. Ephesians 5.33 says this, However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. So we're supposed to love our wives as we love ourselves. And then it says, And the wife must respect her husband. And so I looked that up, kind of getting the translations there, and and here's what it means. It means the the wife needs to honor the husband. You know, and, and here, and I'm talking generally right now, but women want to be loved and cherished. Men want to be respected and honored. That's how most of us are wired as guys. We want to be respected. And so while it tells the husband to love and cherish the wife, at the same time it turns to the wife and say, you need to love and respect your husband. You need to honor him. So, so this is a two-way street. Now I'm going to say a truth here and I want you to get this. This is important. Our relationship with God is impacted by our relationships with each other. Our relationship with God is impacted by our relationship with each other. And I'm going to say this and this is absolute truth. You cannot be close to God if you're treating other people poorly. You can't. That, the, the scripture is absolutely clear on that. Jesus gave us two, two great commands. He said, love God and love people. And if you do that, you'll fulfill all the commands of the word. And so what God is telling us here is that we need to love each other. We need to respect each other. We need to honor each other. Why? Because if you don't, your relationship with me is going to be hindered. You're not going to have the fullness of life that you want. And as I was thinking about that, I thought how powerful that was. And and, and I think about the times in our life that Trish and I have had conflict and how it just, everything else tasted bad. It didn't matter what else was going on. If that relationship wasn't solid, if that relationship wasn't as it should be, it impacted the rest of our lives. And now as I've been studying the scripture, I understand what that means. If the person who is closest to me I don't treat her in the way that Jesus wants me to. It's going to affect my relationship with him. But in the same way, she has to treat me that way. The best marriages are not 50-50. The best marriages are 100-100. You know, I have the honor right now of taking Marley in Utah through this marriage counseling thing, and it's fun. But we're starting to get into some stuff. We're doing these tests and finding out about personalities and and really working through all that. And they are doing amazing. I'm so proud of them. Trish and I met with them the other day and it was just, we're so excited for them. But they're being honest with each other and they're communicating with each other. But these are some of the things that we're starting to talk about. Because we want their relationship with God to go well. We want their life to go well. And some of you have been married 10, 15, 20 years, and, and you're struggling with some of these things, and you're not, and you're wondering, why is my relationship with God not as it should be? And yet you're not treating your spouse as the word says you should. And guys, that may be the answer to your whole problem. The scripture is clear. And so today, as we're here, I want you to think about how you treat your spouse, how you do that. Now, I'm going to read another section of Scripture, and then I'm going to wrap all this up for us. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's an awesome, just like a couple of paragraphs that the Apostle Paul writes that talks about how we deal with these intimate relationships in our lives. It's really a guide for what God is calling all of us to do. So look at Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read this section of scripture for you. You ready? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said, we'll extend it to grandparents. That'd be awesome, okay? For this is right, okay? Okay. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Can I tell you, when I first started reading scripture and I got old enough and I read this, and I said, man, I need to honor my mom and dad are here. I need to honor my mom and dad. And then I love what he says with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have long life. Now, I'm not super intelligent, but that last part there makes a whole lot of sense with me because I thought if I don't honor them, my dad will kill me, okay? (laughs) That made sense to me. I got the, so that it may go well with you and and they won't find you in a ditch somewhere. Got it. No, but that's not what it means. What it means is spiritually that when we begin to honor our parents, and I still honor my parents. If my dad calls me and says, son, I need you to come do, I'm okay. You know, if mom needs something, okay. Well, I'm going to honor my parents. Now, I want to say something here that's very, very important. How do you honor people because some of you may have relationships with your parents that are bad some of you may have parents that abused you abandoned you some of you may have parents you don't even know how do you honor people like that see it's easy for me to honor them because they're good for me except for the other day when you made miles my dish and not me and he got to eat food and you didn't make it for me first I'm not okay with that (laughs) Yeah, Miles and Rachel go down to see mom and dad the other day. Miles calls me. Guess what I'm doing? Eating King Ranch chicken, which is my meal that she created for me to eat. And he's, I'm, a, okay, Lord help me right now. <laughs> now. But how do you honor people that hurt you? How do you honor people that abandon you? How do you honor people that were bad parents? I want to tell you one of the ways that you honor them is by not dishonoring. You. By not talking bad about them. By not slamming them. By not, see you need to forgive them, not necessarily because what they did is okay, but because you need to forgive them because the word commands us to do that so that we can be free. Some of you, your lives have been a mess and it's been partly because of how you were raised or some of the things that happened to you. But you can honor them by not talking bad about them, not slamming them. Not rising to the bait when people say, well, tell me about your family. You can tell them without dishonoring those that have gone before. You know, Thumper, I think, really had it right in Bambi. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. And that is the truth. That's really good wisdom from Walt Disney. But if we would receive that, because here's what happens when you begin to dishonor people, this scripture, this this begins to take effect in your life. And I want you to notice, every one of these groups that I'm going to talk to you about here in a second in this scripture, it doesn't say as long as they do everything right. There is no caveat for them. The caveat, the only only thing that we have the option to do is to fulfill the word. It, It doesn't matter what the other person does. What matters is how we respond. You say, well, pastor, that's not fair. It's not about being fair. The world newsflash. The world is not what? It's not perfect, it's not fair. People are going to hurt you. People that are closest to you are gonna hurt you. As a matter of fact, some of the people that will hurt you the most in your life are those that are closest to you. And these spiritual principles that we're talking about today are those that you need so that your life can go well. So you can honor your father and mother. Think about the good things they did for you. They may have done only one good thing out of everything, but think about that. Don't focus on the other. Honor them by the words you say. Amen? Just truth, guys. It's just truth. Now, so, so that was for the kids. Kids need to obey us. Should I bring them back in here to tell them that? Do y'all want me to do that? Because, you know, we'll, we'll send out an email to them. Um, now, watch this. Now we're going to go through the rest of the list. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Man, how many of you like to mess with your kids? Come on, let's be honest, right? For some of you, like me, it's a hobby. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about having fun with them. We're talking about do not provoke your children to anger. I want to say this in a way that this is, I think, the Holy Spirit speaking to some of you guys. Do not overload them. Do not put more on them than they can do. Do not require so much of them that they cannot accomplish it. You know, every one of our kids is different. And I, of course, watched my parents, how they raised my brother and I. My brother and I are very different personalities. I'm the good one. He's the whatever. I'm just kidding, but not really. (laughs) No, but my, my brother, we're very different personalities. But my mom and dad were very consistent with both of us. But they also learned how to individually deal with us. And one of the things they were always good about was that they would put a lot on us. There were high expectations in our family, but it was never more than you could do. And every one of our kids, Miles, Austin, soon-to-be Rachel, Kennedy, uh, you know, and Taylor, every one of them is different personality-wise. And what we have to do is set a standard in our family, but we also have high expectations for them. But if they have challenges in their life, we're not going to expect of Miles necessarily the same thing we expect of Taylor and vice versa. We do not need to provoke our children to wrath. And I wanna tell you, if you wanna provoke your kids to wrath, make them do things that are beyond their capability. Be unfair. That's what it says. And we need to do that. We have a responsibility. They need to honor us but we need to not provoke them. And then it goes on and it says this, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And again, I looked at the Greek on this to see what it said. And here's what it means. Here's what the discipline and instruction of the Lord means. It means to urge them to choose and turn to God's best. It means to urge them to do godly things. You know, dad and I have talked recently with the kids getting ready to leave. I mean, it's their last day. They're leaving tomorrow morning. You know, I'm praying for the flood, but you know, they're probably going to leave anyway. But they're getting ready to head over there. And dad was talking to me and he said, son, he goes, "You, you can't stop. You can't stand in the way of what God's doing in their life. That's good wisdom, isn't it? Some of you need to take the same approach. Some of you need to understand the same thing because you need to urge them to choose God's best. You need to help them grow in the Lord. You need to make sure they come to church so they're getting fed. And I don't mean physically, I mean where they're getting fed spiritually. And, and we need to make sure that they're in places that our children can grow and learn about what God wants them to do and who he wants them to be. To teach them doctrine, to instruct them in the way they should go. You know, teachers are awesome, and we have some educators in the room, and I grew up with one. But let me just tell you something right now. Mr. Sublet, you're probably the highest-ranking educator we have in this room. Who has more responsibility in raising kids as far as their instruction, the school or the parents? Why? That's the superintendent of a school district. You know, so, so many people send their kids off to school and say, please do something with them. And that's not God's plan. They are to supplement what's going on at home and what's going on at church. And so we need to admonish and educate and teach our kids. Amen? All right, so now that's, that's what fathers, I'd say parents, are supposed to do with their kids. But now let's go down to this next verse, verse 5, and it says, Slaves, and I put in parentheses employees. Employees. So employees, be obedient to those who are your masters or your bosses, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as unto Christ. Not by the way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Hmm. Read this, I'm going to read this next verse, and I'll, I'll sum this up for you. Knowing that whatever good th- no, excuse me, verse 7. With good will we will render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. So here's what, the, how many of you work for somebody? Can I see your hand? How many of you are retired? Okay. You're still on the hook, so don't even act like you don't, you don't anymore. Okay, but here's the deal. We all basically work for somebody. Somebody is our boss. If you're self-employed, it's your customers. We all work for somebody. But what Paul is saying here is that we need to work not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. We need to work for these people like we're working for Jesus. And I love this because it's not about church work, it's about life. So when David's out on the railroad track working for the railroad, he needs to work for his bosses as unto the Lord. That is part of his ministry. If you're retired... And you're serving here at the church, you need to work as unto the Lord. That's pretty easy to do. But every one of us in this room, we need to work as if we are working for Jesus. Because that's what it's saying. You don't need to be slacking. Here's the deal, guys. If you're slacking at work, who's watching? The Lord is. And you're not working as unto him. You know, here's the thing that I've learned in life. When promotion time comes, I'm going to promote the best employees. And those are the ones that work the hardest. Those are the ones who have earned it. And the ones that are given 110% are the ones that get promoted. Not the ones that go, that are lazy and are holding out for a management job. Come on, somebody. Your work is under the Lord. Because there will come a time... That there's a need, and if you've been working as under the Lord, he will promote you in due time, the scripture says. The scripture tells us that God will lift us up in the due time. Your job is to be ready. I'm going to say this, gospel truth. The best employees on this planet should be Christians. Because of this right here. Christians should be leading our businesses because they're the best employees and when promotion time comes, God puts them in those situations because they've been working as under Christ. And instead of complaining and dishonoring their boss, they're working hard for them. Notice what it says here. It doesn't say as long as they treat you nice, employees. Listen to me. Just because somebody is a jerk does not give you the right to be a jerk back. That is not how this works. You are not to treat people the way they treat you. You are to treat people as if they are Christ. This is a game changer for some of you. Some of you need to go back to your your office, work, classroom, whatever, and you need to serve those around you as unto Jesus. These are not my words. You guys hear me? You guys are so quiet today, either you're mad or you're blown away, so come on. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying here? Okay. This is how we get where God wants us to be. Some of you be been going, why can't I get promoted? Why can't I get promoted? Why can't I get promoted? And it's because you're not following God's word. There's a thing the military says, Travis. It says, promotable. Are you promotable? Do you meet the qualifications to be promotable? And I'm not just talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in the spiritual. If Jesus was to come walk with you for a week in your office, what would he see? This is truth. I am preaching way better than you guys are amening, okay? But you know one of the things I love about this, Joey, I love this. When I read this scripture, I love it says fathers, and all the kids said, yeah, and then it goes, now children, obey your parents, and all the parents go, yeah, and then wives do this. There's, there's all these, you see all these relationships that each one benefits because somebody else does what they're supposed to do, but everybody in here has an accountability. Do <laughs> you see that? Wives, treat your husbands right. Husbands, treat your wives right. Treat your kids right. Kids, treat your parents right. Employees, treat your bosses right. What does it say about bosses? Well, Paul covers that too. Let's look at what he says. Verse 9. And masters, and I put in parentheses, bosses, managers, executives, and leaders, do the same things to them. And notice this. And give up threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. You know, I thought it was interesting that he gave like two or three sentences on employees. But then, notice what he says here. And masters, do the same thing. In other words, you have this requirement too, but... Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So if you're a boss today, you better better hope you're serving and leading your people like you're supposed to be, because God is not partial about that. And he expects you to treat everyone. You have more of a responsibility. Because, see, as, as a leader, you get to set the tone for those that are underneath you. You get to create the environment. The hardest thing that leaders do is change culture. But your job as a leader is to change culture. And if you create a culture of love and respect and integrity and accountability, if you do all the things that you're supposed to be doing, you are creating a godly environment. And people's lives can be changed by the way you lead them in the workplace or in the classroom. And that is good preaching. Amen? So I'm telling you, think about every one of these things. This covers every relationship that you have close to you. And let me tell you the way the kingdom of God works. It's about not what we can get from each other. It's about what we can give to each other. It's not about what can I extract from my wife, not what I can extract from my kids, not how I'm gonna lord over my family. It's how I'm gonna serve them, how I'm gonna sacrifice for them, the way Jesus gave his life for the church. Can you imagine, just for a moment, I want you to imagine a church where everybody was serving each other. No strife, no animosity. People looking out for the best interests of others, Paul would say. That's what we're called to. Take that same environment to your work. Imagine your workplace where people, instead of trying to seek their own best interests, they were seeking the interests of others. How would that change your workplace? You know, you could have a little piece of heaven at work. Truthfully, that's what we're called to. I'm gonna read you a quote from Mother Teresa that I think is absolutely amazing. Here's what Mother Teresa said. She said, if you want to go change the world, go home and love your family. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. There's a reason That the Bible tells us when we are promoting leaders from within the church, deacons is what it talks about, is it says, look at their family. How do they treat their family? Because of all these principles that we've talked about today. If you treat your family poorly, then how are you going to treat your employees? How are you going to treat the people in church? There's a problem there. There's a problem there. It's a spiritual principle. I want to read you the only point today. (laughs) I've never done this, by the way, where there was just one point. This is it. How you treat others is absolutely reflective and has everything to do with your relationship with God. How you treat others. How you treat others is absolutely reflective and has everything to do with your relationship with God. Listen to this, 1 John 4 verse 20 says this and then I'm gonna close. If someone says, I love God, but they hate their brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Boy, that's clear. Do I need to explain that to anybody? Now I wanna get real for a second and make this very practical. Some of you have hard marriage relationships. Some of you have bosses that are d- very difficult and I've had those too. Some of you have classmates that are bullies. Some of you have people in your life that are very difficult to get w- to deal with. I, I, I'm telling you today that I hear you, I feel your pain and I understand that in these areas you can have challenges. This isn't sunshine and rainbows. But what I am saying is the commandment is the same. If you want to bring change in your marriage, if you want to bring change in the workplace, if you want to bring about change in school, whatever your situation is, you need to be the change element. And you need to begin applying these principles in your life. Because when you begin to agree with God, when you begin to submit to God in this area, God will start doing some things spiritually. You say, Pastor, they're a jerk. If I, why would I be nice to them? Because of the commandment. Pastor, I don't want to honor my spouse. He or she is mean or they're this, that, and the other thing. Look, you don't do it because it feels good. You do it because God said do it. Austin, come on up here, Bob. You do it because God said do it. Hear the heart of God. You can't change anybody. But you are responsible to lead yourself. If you need to change your marriage relationship, if your marriage relationship is difficult, starts here. God, help me love. Help me serve. Help me give. I know they're difficult. Father, I pray that you would change their heart. But Lord, as for my part, I'm gonna do what your word says. And I'm gonna honor and serve. And Lord, I'm going to ask you to change their heart. Father, my boss is terrible. He's a jerk. He treats me poorly. He he abuses my team members. But Father, I'm going to serve him as if I'm serving you. And as I do that, Lord, I pray that you would change his or her heart. This is the word of God. Fathers, mothers, you're not going to exasperate your children. Don't put more on them. Because I want to tell you something, folks fear leads to rebellion. If you put more on them than they can handle, they will rebel. Don't spoil them either. They won't amount to much. That was me. That's not. <laughs> but think about how you treat your kids. Maybe the reason you're provoking them and doing the things they're doing because some of these other relationships are wrong and you have power over them. That's a problem. Need to search in here. God, help me treat my kids like they deserve. Help me love them and lead them, Lord. Help me point them to you. Bosses, are you serving your employees as a shepherd? Are you loving them and leading them and guiding them? Are you taking care of them? Are you you doing what you're supposed to do? Because God has put you in in charge. Are you reflecting him to them? Do they see, let me put it this way. Do your employees see Jesus more because of how you live? That's a powerful statement. I would bet there's not one person in this room who's got this all figured out. Well, Maybe Becky does, she's pretty awesome. But the reality is every one of us, I guarantee you is because of what this did in me, there's some of you that can look at all these areas and goes, I need some help. Anybody in here need some help with this? Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you guys are lying and that is terrible in church. We all need this. We all need this so here's what I want to do here's what I want to do I want us all I'm going to pray over all of us I want all of us I want you just to repeat after me today nothing magical about this but I just want you to be sincere I want you to be sincere and if there are some changes that you need to make and you're thinking right now some of you I believe this is God. Some of you are so overwhelmed by this, you don't even know where to start. Maybe you've had a bad marriage for years and you don't even know where to start. Maybe you realize today you've been lording over your kids and you don't know how to change because maybe that was the only model that you knew. Some of you have a terrible boss and you hate their guts. Some of you leaders realize that you haven't been leading like Jesus wants you to, but where do you start? Can I just tell you? It starts with making a decision that says, "God, today, I'm going to apply these things. But first I have to repent. Repent means to own it, and turn around. That's what it means there. God, it's me. But are you thankful today that there's a cross? There's a cross a wooden cross where the Son of God gave His life and died a suffering, horrible, terrible death so that we could be forgiven but also so that we could be free so that we could be free to live the life that He called us to. Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly which means overflowing and that's every area that's your marriage, that's your, your bosses, that's your school, that your, all, all those areas he came for. But we have to repent, we have to own our part, we have to do our part, amen? All right, let's all wanna pray. And, I, and if you mean this today, if this is where you are, just, I'm gonna lead you in prayer, you just pray after me, okay? Say, Lord Jesus, today I realize There's some areas in my life that are broken. Lord, I need help in my marriage. Lord, I need help with my kids. Lord, I need help with my boss. Lord, I need help with my employees. Jesus, I ask you today, to forgive me when I have not led them well. Change my heart, and I choose today to be the kind of person that you want me to be in my relationships. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen here's the good news here's the good news if you prayed that and you meant that maybe for some of you if your prayers have been hindered that stops that means that relationship with God can be all that it's supposed to be and he will help you he will help you isn't that good we have an amazing God guys we have an amazing God well, here's what we're going to do, and then we're going we're to close today. We're going to take up an offering for Taylor and Austin to kind of help them. I'd like to say if we don't give them enough, they'll stay anyway, but that's not going to happen. So. But I want you guys to give We want to bless them and give them gas money and food money on their way out there. So if you're going to write a check, just make it to the church and put that in there, and you can give cash. That's cool. Do we have the offering bag thingies? Thanks, Donald. Thank you. There they are, good deal. They have done an amazing job. They have done an amazing job. And uh, we're excited, and I'm not just saying this. I'm so excited that Barbie and Keith are stepping up and Aaron and Crystal We're working on some things with worship and I'm excited about what God's doing. I wanna tell you guys a spiritual principle here. If you walk in obedience to God, he will prepare things for you all the way around. And I'm so thankful that as these guys have done this right, that God has raised people up that are now gonna take their place. And that's the way the kingdom of God works. Listen to this, God does not take away from one of his kids to give to another one. He's got enough for everybody. And so as they're faithful, and they're gonna carry what they've learned here to Colorado, Bless Colorado's heart. <laughs> they're going to minister and they're going to carry a part of us out there. That's pretty cool. And I think it's awesome that God trusted us with them for their first two years of marriage and their foundation of ministry. That says a lot about you guys. This says a lot about you guys. But as they leave, let's bless them, okay? Father, thank you for Taylor and Austin. Lord, we... Thank you for the anointing that's on their lives. Father, as a church family, we're going to bless them today. And Lord, as they go, I pray, Father, that your spirit would just be around them. That, Lord, that the hearts of the people that they're coming to that are hurting, Lord, that you would meet them there and anoint them to reach people for your kingdom. Lord, let them never forget their time here and look, on, look back on it with joy. And Father, help us to look at their ministry as a church and as a church family and be proud of them for what they're doing for your kingdom. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take this offering up, and then I will pray over you guys, and then you're welcome to go home or head over to the new building, okay? Trisha's already over there. I think Monica, and they're getting everything ready. You guys, I'll stand and then I'll speak a blessing over you. Trish and I are so thankful to be your pastors. I mean, just to be honest, you guys are really easy to love. You're really easy to love. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm easy to love. I saw you, Dennis. But can I just say... Can I just say, honestly, from the bottom of our heart, you guys make us smile. You really do. We're honored to be your pastors. Amen. We pray over you. Father, thank you for these amazing people. Lord, thank you for bringing them today. And I just pray, Father, and I know that as we've had this time together, that there's some people that needed to hear this. I know I did. And I pray, Father, that those of us that have received your word today, that it would change us from the inside out. Lord, help us to be the people that you've created us to be. Lord, let our lives overflow with your love and your mercy and your strength, your wisdom, your grace, and your power. Father, our world is hurting and lost. And as we leave this place, Lord, they're looking for hope. And you have placed your love in our hearts to share with them. Lord, help us to do that because ministry really begins out there. Help us to love our families, Lord, and by loving our families, help us change the world. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say. And bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday.